Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, David, for leading us in those very, very precious songs of worship and of praise, reflecting on the goodness of God, reflecting on the fact that God is, is God, the same one who brought creation into being. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. And he called the light God. Good, Tov. And so God is the God of goodness. He is the God of life. He is not the God of sickness. He is not the God of death. Um, that is what the early followers goodness. of Jesus all sang. Uh, we, um, we, we have come to see here, read from uh, historical material that um, that. The, the believers, the worshipers of Jesus as Christ, as Lord, as God, were the ones who were persecuted the most. And, and, and when they uh, were driven into catacombs, they sang of the goodness of God. They sang of the goodness of God. So that is what we are doing now. I know we, that we cannot um, be together. We we want to be together as a church, as a family. Uh, we want to worship together. We want to um, hug each other. We want to uh, see each other face to face and smile at each other, uh, but we cannot do that. Um, we have to be uh, in our homes during this time of crises, during this time of the coronavirus crises. We are not able to be together, but we can be together. Uh, virtually. So thank God for um, technology in those times, of course, when the worshipers, the early worshipers of Jesus were in catacombs, those caves, those dungeons. Um, they wrote on the walls and they, they wrote things like, um, like the fish, they drew the fish, which is uh, a, a symbol of of the faith of early followers of Jesus, early Christianity. It comes from the symbol of the fish. Ichthus, Ichthus in Greek uh, is the word for fish. And, uh, and the word was uh, a symbol of, it, it was um, uh, um, the early faith of the church in, in, in Greek. It, it literally means Jesus is the Messiah, this salvation of God. That's what the word Yeshua means. Jesus, Yeshua is uh, our, he is our God. Um, he is the son of God and he is my savior. And so very boldly, even though they were persecuted so, so vehemently because everything that happened to people uh, in the Roman society was blamed on Christians. You know, that's the way it has been throughout history. Um, I know of uh, Christians in Ethiopia, for example. Um, they are called, it's called the double hyena complex. For one, a lot of these are Jewish people who live in Ethiopia, but they also believe in Jesus. So the idea in uh, the, the stories that are told in Ethiopia, those of uh, something like this, that those Christians, uh, those Jewish people who are Christians, they become hyenas in the middle of the night and they'll grab your babies and eat them up. So unfortunately, Christians have been uh, given that ordeal 
And on this day, which is Palm Sunday, we remember Jesus. You know, in, in, in a lot of places in modern Christianity in particular, we, we get to see that, um, that people sing this song, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it's, it's always a very happy song, you know, because of course it's written for children and, and of course uh, songs for children should be happy. But the, the point that we need, to, we need to keep in mind is that the word Hosanna in Hebrew, the song that the first believers in Jesus sang was not a happy song. It does not mean let us jump for joy and let's shout because that's not what was happening. The word Hosiana is a cry for help. It's a cry for help, very similar to the cry for help that our society is crying in, in China, in, in India, in, in New York City, in Los Angeles, in, in the UK, all over the world. It seems like people are crying out because people are helpless, right? There is this virus called the coronavirus and we don't know what to do with it. Modern medicine has not come up with any solution to the coronavirus. And so there's a cry for help. And that is the cry that Jesus heard, Hoshiana. This wasn't singing happy songs. You know, for some reason, we in the, in the modern church, in the Western church, are more prone to singing happy music. And there's nothing wrong with happy music. There is a time for joy, but there's also a time for crying out. And that's what we need to see in our, in our passage uh, today. We have been going through the story of, of the book of Mark. We have been going through the narrative of the life of Jesus, especially in these last uh, 40 days of Lent. And, and today we are entering into uh, chapter 11, chapter 11 of the book of Mark. So if you would turn with me to Mark chapter 11, I have it on my screen, which is right up in front of me. I also have my uh, Greek Bible here in front of me. It is fascinating. I want us to keep this in mind, okay? John, uh, uh, Mark chapter 11, uh, of course, is prefixed by Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 10. And you, I want you to see this um, uh, um, uh, very carefully because everything that is recorded here in the Bible is recorded intentionally. Uh, there is nothing that is recorded here that is unintentional. So here's what happens. The, the very last thing that Jesus does before Palm Sunday, before he enters into uh, Jerusalem, is the healing of the blind man, blind person Bartimaeus. Where is it? It happens in Jericho. What else happened in Jericho? The people, the original Exodus community, before they entered the promised land, the first town that they came into was Jericho, right? Where they went and saved this woman whose name is Rahab and others. That is what the Gospels want us to see. That Jesus is entering into Jerusalem but before he enters into Jerusalem, he goes to Jericho and he heals a blind man. 
And as we go on to the rest of the narrative, it seems like that that is a metaphor, that is a symbol of a much greater blindness in the society of Jerusalem. And that is what Ma Palm Sunday is addressing. So I want to focus on 10 lessons that we learned from the book of Mark um, on this first Palm Sunday that, that Jesus celebrated with his disciples before he enters into Jerusalem and as he enters into Jerusalem. So what does he do? What does he do? For one, Jesus is approaching Jerusalem and it says he approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Now, you know, I, I would I would really have wanted to take you, and one day I would want to take you to Jerusalem with me so that we actually go to these places. Wouldn't that be fascinating? That we go there and we go to this place where Jesus prays at the Garden of Gethsemane, and we go to Bethany where Jesus does all these miracles and take that journey with Jesus into Jerusalem. You come up from Mount Olives and you go through a valley. It's a really, really deep valley. And Jesus then on this donkey rides up to Jerusalem to the temple. It's so fascinating. I would want to take you on that journey sometime. But for now, would you follow along with me as Jesus approaches here? So I want to continue reading Mark chapter 11 and verse two says, and Jesus, he sends two of his disciples. So fascinating that Jesus wants others to partake with him in his journey. And experiences that are fascinating experiences, he says to them, go to the village ahead of you and say, just as you enter in, you will find a cold tide there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. Now I want you to pay careful attention to the word Lord. In Jewish society and in the Bible, that word is used only of God. Kurios is the Lord. The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. And they went, verse 4, and found a colt outside in the street, tied it at, tied at the doorway, and they untied it. Some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the colt? Now think about it, you know, your car, that amazing Mercedes-Benz or or Corolla, whatever, Mazda is lying outside and someone comes and has keys to it and starts it and says, what are you doing? Well, in Western society, we never do stuff like that. So this is rather odd. Some people standing there asked, what are you doing? Untying the colt. They answered as Jesus had told them to and the people let them go. This is so fascinating. They said the Lord needs it. And they said, the Lord needs it? Sure, he's the Lord, take it. He is God himself. That's how people acknowledge Jesus. They answered as Jesus had told them. And so they, were, they brought the cold to Jesus, verse seven, and threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Look at what the people are doing. They are recognizing that this is a prophecy from Zechariah chapter nine. This is God himself. He will come in riding on a donkey. And then it says, many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. This is all the prophecy of the prophets Zechariah. And they recognized it. Regular people 
recognized it. And then the, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hoshiana, Hoshiana, Hoshiana. They are singing psalms, two psalms. One psalm is Psalm 117. And I wish I could show this to you, but if you have your Bibles, would you turn in your, in your book? And the first lesson I'd like to draw from here is this lesson that Palm Sunday is not about victorious songs. It is about hearing the cries of the people as they sing Hoshiana. I wish we would hear these cries during these days of coronavirus. You know, we only want good news or we want to play the blame game. That's what people do. That's what the news media does, pointing fingers at one another and playing the blame game and all that. That is not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is hear the cries of hurting people because Jesus always heard the cries of hurting people. This is the same angel of God who appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter three and said, I have heard their cries. I know their suffering. That is what the church ought to be during these great days of the coronavirus crisis. We ought to be people who are listening to the cries of broken people who are in a state of hopelessness and angst and perhaps a lot of anxiety. We spend time in prayer today, an hour, just going through all of our streets virtually because you can do that and praying for our kids, praying for the businesses that are suffering so much. That is what Jesus did. He heard the cries. Now, Psalm 117 is a very important psalm, which precedes Psalm 118. They first sang that song. So we don't understand this because, you know, we sing only one line and we think that they sang only one line. That is not just one line. They sang Psalm 118 and Psalm 118 and 117 together. Hosanna is just a chorus. Do you get that? You know, when we sing songs and we say the first line of a song uh, in, at church, it doesn't mean we just sing one line, isn't it? We sing the whole song. So they sang 117. Here's what it says in Psalm 117. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wish we would say hallelujah all the time. That's so fascinating, isn't it? To, to praise God. Let Come on, guys. Let's praise God. That's what it means. Come on, y'all. If I were in the South somewhere in, um, you know, Texas or something like that, it's come on, y'all, praise the Lord. That's what we should be saying. Y'all praise the Lord. All you nations, not just a small group of people. The gospel is for all the world in this pandemic, which is bad news. Psalm 117 says, go give people the good news. Extol him, all the peoples, regular people. Verse 2 of Psalm 117 says, For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Yes, 
coronavirus may come and other diseases may come and other plagues may come. Let us remember that God still loves us and his faithfulness endures forever. Others may forsake us, but the Lord will never forsake us. Going on to Psalm 118, which also they sang. Remember, it's a whole song they're singing. And Psalm 118 says, Give thanks to the Lord for his God. His love endures forever. And they keep singing that. Oh, do not deny he tov, ki leolam has do. Oh, do not deny ki tov, ki leolam has do. Oh, do, oh, do, oh, do, oh, do, oh, do, Adonai, oh, do, oh, do, oh, do, oh, do, oh, do, Adonai, That is what they sang. They sang, give thanks. Come on, you all. Give thanks. And then right in the middle of that, they also remembered the rejection of the Messiah. So Psalm 118 and verse 22 says that this stone will be rejected. It's right there in the Psalm. They knew, the people knew as they were singing that this Jesus will be rejected. And yes, they will be a part of the community that will reject him as well because the leaders will reject him. So they're saying, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That's what we sang, right? This stone that the people who are religious leaders will reject, but he has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 23, the Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. That's what the people are singing. And then they go on further. Notice. So they're remembering that the Messiah will be rejected. And yes, they will also become a part of the rejection community. Why? Because common people do what the leaders ask them to do, right? That's what people do, unfortunately. When, when Hitler and the Nazis said, go and hand over the Jewish people to us, they handed over the Jewish people, their own neighbors. It is rather unfortunate, but that's what we see here. So Palm Sunday is about remembering the rejection of the Messiah. The first lesson is that Palm Sunday is not about victory. It's about hearing the cries of the people. The second lesson is Palm Sunday is not about introvertedness, that let us just care about Rima life. And I, me, myself, my family, because that's what selfish people do. No, it's about God's big picture of missions. And, and then the third lesson is Palm Sunday is about declaring the goodness and the mercy of God. The fourth lesson is Palm Sunday is about remembering the rejection of the Messiah. The fifth lesson is Palm Sunday is about remembering that the Messiah is salvation. 
That's what they encountered. Oh Lord, save us. Verse 25 of Psalm 118 and Mark chapter 11 and 10. Oh Lord, save us. Hoshiana. Let me give you a, a kind of a feel for this as they sang it, okay? It's not Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. That's not the way in which they sang it. They sang, Anadunai, 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 Hoshiana. Do you hear those cries? Hear us, O oh Lord. Hear us, come and save us. Those are the cries of the people that we're hearing outside in New York City, in Los Angeles, in Wuhan, in New Delhi, in, in Germany, in the UK. It's the cries of the people. And we need to give them Jesus, who alone can save them. Anadonai Oshiana. And then the sixth focus, it's so crucial here to remember is that the focus of Palm Sunday is not on death, it is resurrection and ascension. Remember where did this journey start on Palm Sunday? It started in Bethany. Why did it start in Bethany in the Mount of Olives? Because two things happened there, two things. The first thing is, it is in Bethany that Jesus, just before this, raised Lazarus from the dead. And it is in Bethany, on the Mount of Olives, that they will see Jesus ascend into heaven. And Jesus is saying, yes, they will put me to death. I'm going into Jerusalem. But remember two things, resurrection and ascension. Yes, there is bad news all over, but we have to remember as a church, two things, resurrection, he will rise from the dead. Secondly, he will ascend into heaven to prepare a place for us. That is the message of Palm Sunday. That's the sixth lesson. The seventh lesson is the lesson that Jesus's kingship is a very humble kingship. Jesus did not ride on the horse. Only the divine kings, the pharaohs, the Babylonian kings, the Persian kings, and now the Roman kings rode on horses. Why? Because they were gods. Jesus rode on the donkey. And so Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king is coming. The Messiah is coming. He is righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That is who our Jesus is. It's in humility that he serves people and saves people. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? And that should be our demeanor, is to humbly go into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. And when we do that, 
we should involve other people like Jesus did. You know, he sent his disciples and he said, you guys go so that you experience stuff as well. A community that gets everyone involved is a Palm Sunday community. That's the eighth lesson. The ninth lesson is the universal acceptance of the Lordship of the Messiah, Jesus. You know, during this time, people themselves will say, yes, he is Lord. People would not need you and me trying to force them to believe that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. So let's call our neighbors and talk about Jesus. And they themselves will say, I know Jesus is Lord. Isn't, wouldn't that be fascinating? That same person who you would point the finger at you and say, oh, you, you know, you, you people. The same people will say, he's Lord. He's Lord. I accept him. Why? Because he is Lord. That's what the people said. And then the 10th lesson is this. Palm Sunday undoes all the injustices which have been done by human religions. Why do I say that? Before Jesus enters and he sees a fig tree. Do you remember we read about that? Jesus saw a fig tree and that fig tree was not bearing fruit. And Jesus says that thou shalt not bear fruit again. Then Jesus goes into the temple. And when he goes into the temple, where he should have been meeting, people should have been meeting God in the Holy of Holies, he sees all these religious leaders. What are they doing? They're selling animals. And they're telling people, you want an animal? Here it is. How much money do you have? Oh, I've got $6,000. And they say, well, give me $6,000. You know what I mean, right? It was shekel. But it was that much money. And they said, here, take this animal. And they'll give them some useless animal and get all the money from them. They were taking advantage of poor people. And Jesus goes into the temple and he's angry. And he overturns all those tables. And he says, what are you doing? Making use of religion to take advantage of people? Very similar to what people are doing nowadays during this coronavirus crisis, right? People are taking advantage of people because people are in need, whether it be in the form of masks or whether it be in the form of food or whether it be in the form of shelter, whatever it be, people are taking advantage because they think they can take advantage of poor people. That's what they did at the temple. What does Jesus do? He goes into the temple and he does two things. Why does he curse the fig tree? Because the fig tree was a tree that people took advantage of to, to use it as a religious symbol to do awful things to the poor people. Just like happened in Genesis chapter three, where it was a fig tree that the religion of serpent gods were taken advantage of, to take advantage of People who are poor, regular people, Adam and Eve, regular people were taken advantage of. So Jesus goes into the temple and he first curses the fig tree before he goes in. And then he overturns the tables. So there is a need for us to learn from Jesus. 
to learn from his listening to the cries of the people. And my prayer is that we would not be the victorious kind of church, but the church that's willing to suffer like Jesus suffered. My prayer is that we would hear the cries of people on the streets that are saying, Yeshua, save us. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Give me Jesus. We need to give people Jesus during this time. My prayer is that we would be humble like Jesus, riding the donkey, not the big Mercedes Benz or the horses of that time. My prayer is that we would be people who would go into Jerusalem first encountering the healing of blind people. And let's pray that those people who are suffering from the blindness of our times, which is the coronavirus, COVID-19, that God would heal them. Would you pray? Would you pray that God would just touch all these people? Because our God is not a God of sickness. He's a God of health. And he's a God of vitality. And he's a God of life. And light, not darkness. Would you pray? Let's be praying. And let's go riding the donkey. Perhaps there are tables in our lives that need to be overturned where we are not giving Jesus his place in our life. Would you say, Lord, I want to overturn those tables. Overturn those tables that are hiding in the nooks and crannies of my life that I would give Jesus his rightful place in my temple. Your body is the temple of the living God. And say, Jesus, as I enter into this holy week, you enter in there. Cleanse out, cleanse out those bad things, those things that are keeping you out of my mind, those things that are keeping you out of my inner being, my soul. Just overturn them. And you take your place, Jesus, that I may know what it is to be Jesus in this holy week. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, as we enter into this holy week, we want to enter into this holy week, into Jerusalem, into the holy temple, with you, O oh Jesus. Help us to be like you, O oh Jesus. Help us to be humble. Help us to lay our hands on those that are suffering to heal them. Help us to lay our hands on those that are blind that they may see. Help us to hear their cries first of all, Lord. Not just merely physical cries, but from deep down, the cries that come from their souls, the cries that that come from the inner being, that we may give them Jesus and apply those wounds, apply on those wounds the balm of healing. And then, Lord, help us to be humble. Overturn those deep things in our lives, O oh Lord, 
which are like those Sadducees, like those people that took advantage of others. Lord, take over those things, overturn those sins so that in purity we would enter into the temple on this Palm Sunday. So bless us in the name of the one whom we will recognize at the end of this week, the risen Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. May his presence be with you throughout this week as you enter into Monday, Thursday, where Jesus gave the mandate to his disciples at the Passover Seder meal. And then as we enter into Good Friday and we encounter the dying Jesus on the cross, may we hear his cries. And some of our life groups will get together on Thursday and um, participate in the Passover Seder. Some of our, and then we'll come together as a church on Good Friday and we will remember Jesus in his crucifixion. And then on Sunday, we'll come back again and we will remember the resurrection of Jesus our Lord. Would you cry out and say, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. May God's presence be with you throughout this holy week. Amen.